1: Today on the Zabecast, who to have
2: thunk it, but it seems like O.J. has figured out these arguing shows on TV are crap. Andy Polin joins me. We talk being adrift about sports, the Jordan documentary, and cruise ships. All that plus a monster parlay on something I had no idea you could bet on. Your Wednesday dose of normalcy in a global pandemic is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Wednesday, April 1st, 2020, thanks for joining me. We're not doing April Fool's jokes or pranks today. I don't, I'm not in the mood. I don't know if anyone else is, maybe you are, not me. 2020 has already been a shit year to start and it's it's barely even begun. So let's get to it. You know, I've been thinking about the nature of optimism versus pessimism in life a lot lately, and certainly now is a real opportune time for one to focus on which camp you generally fall into. And despite my continued optimism about how America will look by July 1st and how it will look again by September 1st, I don't really want to give too much voice to that here. Because in part, optimists who turn out being wrong come off as suckers. Suckers at best. At worst, they come off as dummies. As people are like, duh, I don't get it. Everything's going to be fine. I got a great life. You know, it's going to be fine. Because if something is worse than you think it will be, and if it's a complex thing like this global pandemic is, well, then you get branded as somebody who just doesn't understand it. But if you play the other side, you play the pessimist angle, There seems to be less to lose. If you're wrong, you can always revert to a number of factors. You could say, well, we did a good job of stopping it, or, well, we got lucky, or, well, you know, at least I took this thing seriously. So I kind of think right now in the public sphere of commentary, the optimist side is getting quite a bit underplayed because generally speaking, nobody wants to be wrong on that side of it. If you're wrong on the other side, A, there's a lot of company, and B, you can at least swaddle yourself in the whole. yeah, but at least I took it seriously. And there's a difference. There's a distinction between not taking it seriously and being reckless and stupid versus just saying, "I'm, I'm betting the under on this, or the under on whatever the latest models are. So, of course... The trick is, and this is also something I've been thinking about, if you paint yourself the gloomiest picture possible, and I'll confess I have done that on more than a few occasions in my head, and I've crumpled it up and thrown it away, and then I've said, wait a minute, hold on, i got to add something to that gloomiest picture possible. And if you envelop yourself in it, if you cannot get away from it, then you're going to severely affect your mental health, and you'll do it right now, it's guaranteed, And it'll continue for as long as it appears that the worst may still happen. You're essentially guaranteeing yourself a degree of mental stress if that's the route you go. Whereas if you take the other side, you're kind of delaying the possibility of mental stress for later. And it may never come. So then if it doesn't, you would not have paid any mental price at all if you can pull it off. But then you run the risk of a deeper disappointment if you think for the best and it turns out to be worse. Then you are potentially setting yourself up for crushing and even double mental sickness when you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I thought this was going to be gone by now. It's almost like I think you have to somehow thread the needle, or I'm trying to, where you briefly envision the worst. You accept that it may happen. You account for that and then you put it away and you don't think about it. It's a hell of a mental trick. It's not easy to do. But I think it also applies in life as well, not just pandemics. Whether you get sick or your family member, someone you know gets sick or your job is in jeopardy or business that you started is struggling, how do you contemplate the worst and then put it aside and still live in the present and still be, generally speaking, an optimist? I don't know. But it's an interesting exercise right now, to say the least. And as always, I look to Lou Saban, the great Lou Saban. You can get it done. That's right. You can get it done. What's more, you got to get it done. All right, Andy Poland, just a quick second. A couple of items. Kimberly Jones reports for USA Today that Chris Godwin, the former number 12 in Tampa Bay, offered Tom Brady the number with no strings attached. No transaction. He said, I bend the knee. To the GOAT. Here you go, Tom Brady. Uh, Godwin will now switch to number 14. And he's getting lots of accolades on Twitter. I think he should have got money. I think some coin to the realm, as you know, uh, Hank Stram would have said, deserved to be exchanged there. Tom Brady is rich as fuck. Look at the contract he just signed. But no. In today's day and age, it's like, you better give it up. Look, you know, Montana switched numbers from 16 to 19 when he went... From San Francisco to Kansas City. Kansas City, I believe, had retired it for the great Len Dawson. So he wore 19. It was fine. Can be done. It has been done. In India, cops are wearing coronavirus helmets to scare residents into lockdown in India. Wow. That is one hell of a weird rubber coronavirus helmet mask thing. (laughs) <laughs> and when the uh, helmet mask with a big coronavirus thing on it doesn't work, I believe batons, fire hoses, and police dogs are the next step to get people in a lockdown. And then there's this. I will comfortably say I'm never, ever going to dig into this, but Baseball Digest, the magazine slash newspaper, Baseball Digest announced that it will unlock its archive and make its complete inventory of more than 800 issues from 1942 to 2009 free on its digital website, (laughs) BaseballDigestArchive.com. Imagine going back through the old Baseball Digest Archives and saying, oh, here's one from... 1983, there's a minor leaguer named Kirby Puckett. He's supposedly really good. Five-tool outfielder. I gotta go watch this guy. Oh, those were good times. Hey, nerds, and that includes me, whatever it takes to kill the time in quarantine, you gotta do it. All right. Let's see what Andy Pollan is up to today. All right, hold on a second.
0: All right.
2: Oh, there you are. There we go. Hello! Hello! This is uh, FaceTime audio, which supposedly should be cleaner and better. And I have no idea why, Andy, that as the default setting when I mash your phone button, it gives mm-hmm. me FaceTime audio. So, okay. here we are. I yeah. see You do sound actually really good. How how do I sound? Check one, two. Check yes. one, two. Sound great? <laughs> okay, very good. Well, here we are. I think it is, let's see, the 11th of March was when Rudy Gobert tested positive and everything ground to a halt. So today is April 1st when people hear this. So we are, and you know my math is suspect, this would be day 20. Day 20, adrift at sea like Tom Hanks in that stupid Fucking volleyball.
0: Well, son! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll give you a little more grim one. Um, the book by Laura Hillenbrand, Unbroken, which was made into a movie as well. And I think he was adrift at sea for 48 days, which no
2: is no on... way.
0: Yeah. And it's a true story. Uh, Lou Zamperilli, I think, was his name. He was a uh, track star, almost an Olympian, ran at USC. And uh, somehow survived it, and uh, and that is part of his incredible story. Well no.
2: hold on two seconds. This Facetime audio is for shit. I'm calling you right back. Stand by. See, this is the problem with technology. It, it's never what it's promised. You could hear the breakups there. I'm just going to call Andy right now on his regular mobile. How's line. this? Way better. Way better. A million times better. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So and he was he was adrift at sea, and then he was imprisoned and tortured. Mm-hmm. In a right. Japanese imprisonment
0: camp. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, she did an incredible job of writing the story. And then the movie, I thought, was was very well done. I mean, he lived to be 93. And you look at what he goes through, if you watch the movie, and oh, I read the book as well. Brutal. He, you can say, how does he live to be 33, much less 93?
2: Right. So in these times in which we're all bellyaching about what will likely be at least 60 days without sports, if not more, that we're like, we're soft. We're so fucking soft. We got to toughen <laughs> up on this for God's sakes. You know, I mean, stories like this guy. How about, you know, you want to pick me up in terms of hardship? Read about the Donner Party that got
1: stranded.
2: (laughs) Did you ever see the PBS documentary on them? Yes,
0: I did. It was, it was incredible. Uh, Yeah. That they had set out across the country uh, with no real great plan. And what do you know? They ran into weather and disease and uh, wagons breaking down. Yeah, They ended up
2: eating themselves in the Sierra Nevada mountains in a blizzard because basically they had started too late. They were leaving from, like, somewhere in the middle of the country. And they're like, we better get going here, you know? It's a long trip out there. We don't want to get— I
0: got to get one more thing. Hold on. (laughs) Right.
2: And what's amazing is the documentary relied only on, like, letters and writings that have been left behind by the survivors. And to be able to put together something that was visually compelling with very little visual material was pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if we had gone through this 25 years ago, we wouldn't have, you know, all the technology that we have where we can FaceTime one another. We can mm-hmm. talk uh, mm-hmm. people in our business. And you've been doing it on a regular basis. But a lot of people now are doing shows from home and so forth. Couldn't be able to do that. You know, yeah. so uh, there is uh, some silver lining, I guess.
2: I one silver lining. You tell me what you think about this as a keen observer of society and life and people and governments in general. My one silver lining is this is the last time we're going to fucking do this. That the next time any little bug gets sideways, I suspect we are going to go full throttle and say, stop ball.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, and think of the then more need for medical professionals. I mean, you used to hear, Oh, we got too many doctors. No, we don't have enough doctors. Right. So yeah. So next time something happens, we will, if somebody coughs too loud, you take them in an ambulance to the hospital.
2: Yeah. I would would think that once there's identified a new strange bug that can fuck you up, that we're going to have no problem closing all the borders. We're going to have a giant, fucking warehouse in nebraska full of n95 masks right better have another warehouse next to it with ventilators and hopefully we're just going to say we're never going to repeat this again
0: right we, we need to use the harvard model like when the ivy league got first sniff of this they said up oh, tournaments off and people said oh what are you doing you're overreacting yeah oh no we should we should have taken their cue
2: I know. But you know what? Looking back, and I I don't want to get into this uh, blame game because people Mm -hmm. will then get mad at me because they'll they'll sound like I'm making excuses for somebody, anybody. But bottom line is, there was no political will to shut down all international travel. And I mean all international travel when it needed to be shut down. In other words, like Idris Elba got it by going to this uh, thing. Don't call me Herndon. Uh, Decline. Thank you. Uh, Idris (laughs) Elba got it when he was over at some you know, highfalutin, you know, uh, charity event where the prime minister of Canada, his wife got it. Right. They, right. they were at the same event. And that was like in late January, early February. Like, who the hell was going to say, you know, what, I'm sorry, Idris, but you're not allowed to fly out of the country because we're afraid this thing is going to get really big. It just, the the or to keep Tom Hanks and his wife from going to Australia. Like, who's going to do that well ahead of time? Right.
0: Right. I mean, we've gotten to this point where international travel is so easy and people do it all the time Mm -hmm. that to shut it down would be unthinkable. Look at how everything got weighted into. First, the NBA is discussing it. Now, I I heard today that Stefan Marbury contacted Commissioner Adam Silver on March 8th, four days before he shut the league down and said, "Oh." You better do something. I've been in China. I've seen what's happened here. You better do that. And Really? Suppose, yeah, supposedly Silver thanked him for contacting him, but it took another four days and Rudy Gobert to shut right. down the league. Right. And, and, you know, and Stefan Marber used to be a whack job when he was in the NBA, but he got huge now, in China. Yeah. Now he's, now he's helping out. He's, he's providing masks and he's providing medical help. He's, they, you know,
2: I saw the story. He said he's going to buy 10 million masks at cost, which is like two ninety-five each. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking who's three, who's 30 million is going to foot the bill on this. And how do we know the masks work? Because a number of countries got supplies from China, like test kits and masks. And like, this stuff's shit. Doesn't work.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, they could probably mail a few in advance. And I see guess. If they work. Well, yeah. okay.
2: Anything's better than nothing at this point, I guess. But yeah, mm-hmm. so, so the, we'll talk about for a second, the, t- the the ideas of, well, what maybe we can get back the league by doing this and that, and we'll get to the J. Williams cruise boat, <laughs> the love boat NBA. <laughs> it's <laughs> two it- boats, by the way. Okay, all right, in just a second, but we'll get to that. But first, and I was talking about being like Tom Hanks, where time just melts away to nothing, and you're on an island with a stupid volleyball. You have a friend, Warren, you've talked mm-hmm. about for years, who you know from the gym, right. who, despite being your good friend, does not care for sports at all. Not a sports fan, literally.
0: Not that he doesn't like sports, but he doesn't watch sports, doesn't follow sports. And I noticed this one day at the height of Tebow Mania, where we were next to each other on Stairmasters, and I looked up at one of the televisions in the gym, and I said, oh, Tebow's really gone mainstream. He's on the Today Show. And he said, who's Tebow? And I nearly fell (laughs) off... The, the stairmaster nearly
2: wrecked your stairmaster,
0: <laughs> yeah. And so then I began to investigate. I said, You never watch sports? No, I'm not really interested. Uh, He's really interested, in obviously, yeah, interested in staying in shape. Uh, liked to bike, uh, but didn't follow. So I thought to myself, Well, gee, if I didn't spend time watching sports, talking about sports, reading about sports, what would I do with all this time? Well, here we are. So uh, I, I, I called him for a show that I filled in for today on, mm-hmm. on Tony's show on uh, ESPN 630. And uh, we talked about it and we got to the point where he said, well, you know, I have the cleanest garage in the neighborhood. <laughs> and <laughs> and so he, he, He's been dealing. Now, he did say there are times when he's needed sports. He's now retired. But at one time he did a lot of traveling as a salesman. And he did a lot of work in North Carolina. And his son, he said, was a big Maryland basketball fan. So before he would go down there to make sales, his son would prep him on ACC basketball. So he could at least fake his way through it if it got to that point. How about them, looks
2: at notes, Tar Heels. (laughs) Yeah. They sure are good this year.
0: (laughs) Right. If if you had to get past Roy Williams, he was in trouble.
2: Well, I've always thought about how, sports grounds us and it puts us on a familiar walk path through the months Mm -hmm. and every year and that it is a it is a comforting thing and it's like landmarks and mileposts you get used to that flow from one to the other and I've often thought what would happen if you just didn't like sports would you just drift through the year what would you look forward to
0: right right yeah I mean I think he has things that he likes he likes movies uh, but yeah, that's true. That the marking of time. So, for example, this week I would be greatly looking forward to Saturday in the Final Four. I love that day. Oh yeah. And and we don't have that. And for Warren, it's like, oh, that's Saturday, it's you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like any other Saturday.
0: Yeah. It's like right. a fall
2: Saturday, a winter uh, Saturday, a summer Saturday. It's just yeah. Saturday.
0: Yeah, you're right. So we're, we're so conditioned, yeah, by the certain times of the year where you're doing specific things related to sports, and now we're not.
2: Yeah, well, it's an adjust, adjustment for everybody. I think one thing about the NBA, we'll get to the Jason Williams idea in a second, but if the NBA decides to rejigger their schedule and start in – At Christmas. So Christmas Day is opening day, which would be Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Big triple, quadruple, quintuple header of games. And to run their season all the way through to like August 1st, home run. That's a home run schedule adjustment for the ages in which there's this fertile ground for an indoor sport in late June, July, and even early August. It's unoccupied territory, Andy.
0: Right. And and what happened, see the reason it didn't happen is at one time baseball was the most popular sport. And the NBA was not that big a deal really until Magic and Bird came along in the late seventies. And so what happened, I, I looked this up. When the Celtics were winning all those titles in the sixties, the season wrapped up in like mid April. They were done. <laughs> really? and, and the reason
2: how yeah, many games the, were there?
0: Well, there the were same number of games, but you didn't have as many rounds of playoffs like you So there had, was
2: 82 games. Did they play yeah. double headers?
0: No, but yeah, okay. fewer days off. And again, you're only playing a best of 7 Eastern Conference final and a right. best of 7 Western and then the finals. So you only had two rounds of playoffs and As, as late and reason, as what
3: as
2: late as what year was that roughly? Uh
0: I I I think it it expanded by I think, like, 1970. Okay, so this is 60s. In
2: the 60s, the NBA season would wrap up in April.
0: In April. And the reason was, baseball was so popular, they had to get the hell out of the way for baseball. Well, that's not the case anymore. Baseball's got its audience, but it's not number one. And if there were NBA games mixed in, we would certainly watch them. I mean, baseball's on all the time. It's like you can get it whenever you want. Yeah. So I I am with you, and I think I think starting at that point, NBA in, in October November, who cares? So yeah, <laughs> Christmas Day is is a great time to start the season.
2: Christmas Day splash, and then eat up late deep into July. I mean, it's fucking indoors. Who cares? And and you know what the NBA has also become? It's become a big outdoor watch party sport, right. a la soccer matches in Europe. And so if you then are playing the finals or the the conference finals in July you got Great. four cities where people are gathering outdoors to watch the games on jumbotrons drink and have fun it's a slam dunk for the NBA.
0: Not only that, players are used to the summer that's where you get your game. You play on their kids, they play it on the playground, they play summer league, they play uh, look Olympics are during the summer, so it's the, not, you know, the like- problem
2: is the Olympics.
0: Well, okay, the Olympics so.
2: are going to be a problem because they're very hard to say no to. It's very hard for all the federations to go. You know what? We'll send our amateurs like it was in the old day. They want no, the no, stars. They won't
0: do the, no, 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 It's too good for business for the NBA. They, well, then they, they're, how, they're how getting, can you
2: accommodate that? Well,
0: you do it. They do it like hockey used to do it where they stop the season for a, a couple of weeks for them to play.
2: But this would be during the, 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 the peak of the playoffs in July.
0: Uh, well, you'd have some players who weren't in the playoffs anymore and you'd have to say, yeah, I mean, look, hockey did, did this when the year that the Capitals went to the finals the first time, which was 98, you know, I don't don't think they wrapped up until July. And the reason was they had taken a break in the middle of the season for the, for the the Olympics. So I, I think it's doable now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the playoffs don't end until August and it is possible to do it. I don't know. But somehow I, they're, they're not giving it up because what the Dream Team has done for the revenue for the league, what it, what it launched, is unbelievable. And they're not going to throw that back.
2: Well, not only that, but, I mean, the, the way that it, the NBA got a foothold in Europe and elsewhere around the world, Argentina, South America, you name it. It's been great for the league because these European players, Andy, they looked at the game differently than, NBA play, or than American players. Every big man in Europe learned to fucking shoot. Right. And so right. – that then changed the NBA, where if you're a big man that can't shoot, you went extinct really quickly in the last five years. See Martin Gortat.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You, yeah, not, yeah.
2: The yeah. Wizards couldn't play him because he he, he couldn't shoot threes and, and not even at a little rate. You have to be able to hit at a little rate in t- today's NBA. That's all because of the European player, and it's all because they looked at the game differently than Americans.
0: Right. And plus, plus the, when they got the game into China and yeah. thanks to Daryl Morey's tweet, oh kind of got squashed this year, but six, six billion people is a nice audience to have. and pretty, and, pretty and nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All
2: right. So let's talk about this Jay Williams idea of <laughs> getting the season done by hook or by crook. And his idea is cruise ships.
0: Two of them: a Eastern Conference cruise ship and a Western Conference cruise ship. And the only ones who would be led onto the ship would be the NBA players and their families. And they would and the
2: referees, and the league officials, and the coaches, and the TV crews, and Jeff Van Gundy's personal assistant. But you could, but but you could screen them all. You're right. You could tightly screen them all. Make sure the whole thing is sanitized. There'd be no fans per se. Right. Get TV cameras. These ships are big enough to hold, what, three to four thousand people.
0: Oh, yeah. I've been on one. And they could certainly get two courts inside. Now, they have to be inside because, remember, they've been playing these games on aircraft carriers and they've had problems with condensation on the court. Everybody's slipping all over the place. So they would have them inside. And that you'd play the playoffs out that way. And I guess you'd flip a coin as to which ship would host the finals. I don't know how that works. No, but, uh, no, what you
2: do. Is, so that's great. So you have, I didn't hear this full idea, but you, now you're yeah. filling me in. So an East an east Coast, uh, cruise and Coast cruise ship and a West Coast cruise ship. And then as the playoffs are going on, the cruise ships start sailing toward each other. And they meet... At the Suez Canal, <laughs> yeah. boom, or the Panama Canal, whichever canal connects the two continents.
0: I guess, yeah, or or I guess they could be docked, too. I mean, they've used ships as hotels before, including the disaster in Jacksonville. But, oh, uh, God,
2: yeah. yeah remember, um, remember at the Brazil Olympics, the uh, NBA team stayed on the cruise ship?
0: It was complete mess. It was it was Alan <laughs> Iverson and his boys running wild, and Larry Brown trying to control him. It was it was a mess. But uh, but that's that's the idea. Now it's at this point, two weeks into this, you go, okay, come on, you know, uh, that's some <laughs> Two months from now, you might say, okay, let's do it. Yeah, you know? it's
2: impossible to tell. Uh, thing, you know, it, like. We're three weeks in. This is the three week mark of when it all flew apart. To think you can see three months ahead, I just I, I'm not gonna be in that business because I've already looked dumb enough on this already, making timid little half predictions. So I just like to see month to month how it looks. And yeah, it could be worse, could be a lot worse, could be better, could be a lot better. Yeah. We don't know. Let's the hope big, for the, the best.
0: The big one to me is is the Herb Street uh thing that he threw out last week that yeah. really rocked me. That that and, and when you think about this. Let's say that they, okay, we're going to either test the fans or go into the stadium or not have any fans, but let's say the Redskins are getting ready to play the Cowboys one week and one of the Redskins is testing positive for the virus. you got to quarantine the whole team for two weeks. You can't play the game. I, 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 he's saying you can't have football again until you have a vaccine. I don't know how far-fetched you know, that is.
2: You know, vaccines are not 100% effective, though.
0: Understand, but at least you'd have a little bit more control than you have now because there's no you know China just today they were going to resume they had plans to resume in May yeah Yeah. and then and that got pushed back too so who knows you know it's uh, well I
2: mean I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine the position we're in now, so I guess I should start imagining other things. We'll see. We'll see. It's a long, it's a long way away, and I'm hoping there's a lot of things that are being introduced to this that will change the vector of it all. But you, you know, knock on wood, I guess is all you can say. Yeah. So, is yeah. it a du- is Jay Williams' idea a dumb idea?
0: At the moment, it's a dumb idea. As we get moving along here, it may not be.
2: Okay. Uh, what about doing the same thing, but say in Vegas?
0: Vegas. I don't know. I mean, are the casinos open again? No. Okay. But, I mean, but after, but the hotels the are empty model. Yeah. The, the, the UNLV apparently has a whole bunch of practice courts and that they could possibly quarantine everybody on the campus of UNLV. I don't know what it looks like, but right. maybe they could do that. That's a possibility. I don't know. But, Mm. uh, yeah, anything's in play right now.
2: So, luckily, we got a bit of good news on Tuesday, and that is the Jordan documentary, the 10-part Jordan documentary that ESPN is putting together, has been pushed up, will be released in April. What is it, April 23rd, I want to say? 19th. 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 It looks fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's an unbelievable idea, and, and the fact that they've kept it under wraps for over 20 years, almost 25 years, right? What do you 1990s? mean under wraps? Well, the, the, this, the, the, all the footage was shot during the 97-98 90, season, which was everybody knew it was going to be the end of the Bulls because Jackson wasn't going to be renewed and Pippen was going to leave in free agency. So they were breaking up the Bulls. Oh, so,
2: this, so this documentary footage was all from one season.
0: Yeah, now I guess they followed some of it up with interviews but all the actual footage is following the team as it navigates that season. See, I thought it was
2: going to be a 10-part on Here's Michael Jordan from the time he was in Carolina all the way through. Oh, it's just... That's why it's called
0: The Last Dance.
2: Okay, got it, got it, 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 got it, got it, got it. Wow, okay, that's amazing.
0: So it's almost like, you know, there was a documentary done on the Ali Foreman fight called When We Were Kings. The fight took place in 1974. The documentary wasn't released until 96. So this is somewhat similar to that and uh, we're going to find out things that went on. I mean, y- 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 this team had everything. It had Rodman. It had Jordan punching people in the head. It, you know, I mean, it, it, it was who insane. Did,
2: who did he punch in the practice for guarding him too hard?
0: Steve Kerr, of <laughs> all
2: people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, Kerr was like being a pain in the ass. Like, it's practice, man. Stop guarding me so hard. The,
0: the, the level-headed Steve Kerr, who's, you know, who's the voice of reason in so many things now. Yeah, it's, it's
2: funny. They uh, Also, there's stories about uh, Jordan Rid- ridiculing Stacey King, calling him Burger King and shit like that. Will Perdue, according to one story I heard, would know which seat on the plane Jordan always liked to sit in, and he would make sure to get on the plane before Jordan, and then Jordan would have to pay him off with a couple grand to get him out of the seat. Smart. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But it's like, in this day and age, that would never happen. You know, LeBron has his seat, and it's well known, you're not fucking sitting in LeBron's seat.
0: Right, and you, you'd also think after a couple times that Purdue did that, that Jordan would say, <laughs> "I'm look. going to have you traded if you don't do this <laughs> if you don't stop this.
2: Exactly. Like a lot of stories, some of it may actually be true, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, have you been following on the OJ Twitter updates?
0: Oh, oh, of, of what he says.
2: Yeah. Do you do you follow OJ on Twitter?
0: I don't follow O.J. on Twitter, but sometimes I see a retweet of something he said or done. And you know, I mean, when he got out of jail, he was angry because somebody was leaving a fantasy team or something. I don't know. He, yeah.
2: I want you to. I want you to hear this, and I'll just let you react, okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Hey, Twitter world, well, yours truly. Well, I, like most of you, just been trying to stay out of harm's way, playing a little bit of golf, but for the most part, been just kind of hanging around the house watching a lot of netflix and uh on demand (laughs) a little boring you know (laughs) got a little tough there you know i was trying to watch sports for a little while listen to this um it was interesting you know seeing what was going on with brady and bridgewater and Gurley and the guys but uh and i'm curious to see what's going to happen with cam newton if he's healthy enough to come back because we know if he is he'll be real good for some team but I tried to watch sports, you know. It's hard to watch these sports channels because it seems like all they do is argue over the same thing (laughs) over and over and over. I mean, I tried to watch this uh, 100-year top uh, basketball player uh, thing. They had a playoff among the top (laughs) basketball players, but then I saw (laughs) Lou Alcindor. Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar, was eliminated in round 32. This may be the greatest college basketball player of all time. He won three straight national championships, um, uh, took UCLA to those titles. It would have been four if they would have let freshmen play at the time, but they didn't. It's funny how he knows so
2: much about Lou Alcindor, but doesn't know how to pronounce his name.
0: Well, they they were. It's funny that the timing, because when Alcindor or Alcindor (laughs) was winning three straight championships at UCLA, OJ at the same time was at USC Uh, and and OJ, you could make the case. I mean, it's hard to do for anybody who didn't see him play and the person that he became, but. It's hard to imagine anybody better as a running back in college than O.J. Sims He was unbelievable Absolutely. at USC. Right. Yeah. So, so, and so
2: how funny is he? He's like, seems like they just argue about the same things over and over
0: again. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good gig. It's better than being in jail, O.J. I know.
2: <laughs> I, I was thinking about this as crazy and as unsettling as this is and, and hard as this is for so many people. For O.J., this is the biggest nothing burger in the world. He's been in prison, what, he served, like, 12 years for that attempted burglary? It was it 12. Eight had, years, yeah. something like It was a decent stretch. Yeah. On top of the, how many years was he in jail during the trial?
0: I think it was only a year. A okay. A over a year. Yeah. Right.
2: And, and he somehow has compartmentalized the vicious slashing and near decapitation of his ex-wife and her boyfriend.
0: Yeah, but I think he, he revels in going places and knowing people despise him. I think he's he's gotten to the point where that kind of turns him on, and he may miss that that he that he could show up on a golf course and know people are sneering at him, but also people are looking at but oh wow that's OJ.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of people now when they see him are very nice to him
0: because yeah, famous people, right famous big well yeah. it's
2: famous big and he has this goofy sort of persona on Twitter that he puts I out. Yes, he doesn't tweet any. He doesn't. He, his only tweets are videos, which is actually smart. 'Cause then yeah. you can't have it taking out of context. It's the darndest thing. And and I think most people, Andy, they're like, Well, he didn't murder my mom <laughs> and her boyfriend, so what do I care? I guess It sounds harsh, but that's just basically <laughs> it. Do you miss working out, Andy?
0: Yes. Um, as, as a matter of fact, I was never weather dependent like I am now. And uh, so I would just go to the gym. And as I've told people, I would just check in, turn off my brain, do what I did. And I was in and out of there an hour, 15, an hour and a half. Now I have to plan it out and things are closing around me. So what I had started to do was to go over to the local high school, Northwest High School, which is about a quarter mile from my house and run up and down the, the stands well, now they've padlocked the stadium, so I can't oh, do that anymore. Okay. So there's a hill next to it, so I kind of go up and down that. And Ooh, like Walter along. Payton. Yeah, but I'm not Walter Payton. I mean, I'm more like Walter <laughs> Brennan, if anybody understands that reference. <laughs> and,
2: uh, all right. What and, about what about Andy finally buying a Peloton?
0: I've thought about that.
2: You um, of all people who loves working out and loves bicycles.
0: Yes. Peloton. The, the pro- the problem peloton. with the Pel- peloton it, the, the $2300 price tag is is one thing
3: mm-hmm. the,
0: the other part is in order to have the program to to be in the peloton thing that's like almost $60 a month which is high i mean that's almost a high end gym so 60
2: a month uh, yeah you only pay 25 a month for your gym 20 20 are they going to give what? you a refund while they're closed
0: uh, they did bill me for, I guess, the month of March, so I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll play see. it by year. But I'm not going to kick up a fuss. I mean, it's only 20 a month.
2: Uh, you're a good man for doing that. Yeah. All right, Andy, hang in there. Have you watched Tiger King on Netflix? I
0: watched the whole thing, yes.
2: All right, next week we'll go over it, all right? Good. I mean, it, it was pretty spectacular, wasn't it, in its dysfunctionality?
0: I, I can't say I enjoyed it, but I couldn't turn it off. That that
2: perfect. That's perfectly said. You're a wordsmith. No. Andy, good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks.
0: You too, Dave. Take there care. There you
2: go. <laughs> yeah, that is really the perfect description of it, don't you think? When it's you boil it down, can't say I enjoyed it, but I uh, I couldn't turn it off. Speaking of Peloton, Rory McIlroy is apparently the PGA Tour's Peloton King, defeating all challengers with some eye. I- Popping numbers um, he uh I don't know what good numbers are, but apparently they're posting. Them, they're like, yeah, damn Rory is getting after it. so uh, that's good. that's good for him to keep busy uh, while doing that. A Nevada mobile better at William Hill u s turned fifty dollars into nine thousand six hundred and seventy six dollars after hitting a ten team parlay. On wait for it, Ukrainian wait for it, table tennis. Oh my god, wow! And then uh, I'll give you one recommendation here Super 70s Sports on Twitter. I've given you Club Pro Guy if you're a golfer at Super 70s Sports. It's clips, it's pictures. It's funny captions. No, it's not all from the seventies. Some are from the eighties. And I'm looking at this This Week in baseball Runder reel. Luba,
0: Philadelphia's Mike Schmidt slide is really great. Bum, bum, great bass runner bum, Lou
2: Bump is blocked off. With Mel from- Allen announcing I mean, this was a weekly wrap up show of this week in baseball. It aired on the weekends on Saturday mornings, if I remember as a kid, growing up in the late seventies, early eighties. And it was it was funny. It was just a lot of good highlights, twin killings, good double plays.
0: Maybe we order.
2: <laughs> and they're showing giant signs in the outfield. This is when you could you know make a homemade sheet for a sign and hang it over the outfield wall, and nobody would nobody would harass you. That's the way it was. Now it's like yeah, we have corporate sponsors. No, we're not gonna. Like, the only signs you can have at ballparks now are the approved signs that are a couple feet wide by a couple feet wide. Posters, basically. But back in the 70s and 80s, people would take bed sheets and put duct tape on them and spell things out and unfurl them in the upper deck and over the outfield wall. And it was like, yay, that's cool. Those days, sadly, are gone. My time is gone today, even though I could go on forever and ever and ever. I think you've had enough. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. Remember, you can subscribe to Fridays to get a full five days of me a week, not just four. It's a mere 16 cents a day when you amortize it, and it's probably a write-off, Jerry. I don't know how, but you're the one writing it off. Thanks for listening. Download the Zabecast app. That is free. It'll aggregate all of the Zabecasts in one place, and I appreciate you people keeping me as grounded and sane as normal as possible during these times. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Wednesday. Welcome to April and we will see you next time.